Coming to you live. Let's start over because that was shitty. Coming to you live from my parents' house. We got episode six of the Changavi after show. And I'm wearing red because that's the color of the Changavi after show. But fun fact, it's also also the colors of my San Francisco 49ers. You're going to be playing in the divisional playoff. Well, actually, when this show comes out, they would have already played in the divisional playoff. So they played in the divisional playoff game. Hopefully the result was good. Hopefully future Nuge is happy. But, uh, you know, it's going to be tough. Green Bay Packers are good. So we'll see what happens. But welcome, everybody. I'm the host of the Changabi After Show, Anuj. As you can tell, I'm in my complete don't give a fuck outfit, quarter zip. You know what? Let's zip it all the way down. Let's give it full Santa Clara Indian Uncle vibes. Here we go. Here we go. I am Indian Uncle Anuj today, as my YouTube uh, placard for my name says. Um, if you're on Spotify, it says Indian Uncle Anuj. You know how it is on the TikTok clips and the YouTube. You see like my little name pronunciation. I'm plus showing off all the chest hair. I'm chilling. I'm relaxing. Uh, this is the Changabi After Show. And this is basically the show where I talk about all the topics and all the thoughts I've been thinking about that I've had in my head over the last week or so and uh, didn't want to bring up on the regular show because the regular show is for actual polished topics with legitimate uh, claims. And the Chingavi After Show is for more me just being raw, unfiltered, authentic, and real. And so uh, here's the unfiltered, <laughs> I guess, unedited, raw version of the show. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what we do here. Uh, anything else that I need to mention before we get started? Not really. Uh, I talk about a lot of weird shit, so if it gets a little weird for you, then you can feel free to leave. That's fine. But the first topic is going to start out pretty damn weird uh, because that's what we do here. Death. Let's talk about death for a second, man. You know, my relationship to death as an individual is really bad. I'm I'm starting to, I'm starting to be convinced that like my relationship to death is is pretty unhealthy. Um I'm not I'm not someone who's like super like I have I have weird thoughts I guess when it comes to death. So fun fact, I I mean I guess call me lucky or call me weird. I've never been to a funeral in my life. I have never attended a funeral procession in my life. I mean, I've lost people that I've known, right? I've lost grandparents. I've lost, um, you know, friends of like mutual friends, you know, have like friends of mine have lost um, relatives and stuff like that. Like I've had the opportunity to go. I just have not ever attended a funeral in my life. Um, I guess, I guess it's a little bit lucky, but I guess it's also like my dad was telling me the other day, he's like, you got to go to a funeral. Um And I was like, dad, I completely disagree because I feel like I'm ready to go to a funeral when it's time to go to a funeral, when there is a person that I'm connected to that unfortunately passes away. Um, but I don't know. I, I feel like the way we look at death in this country and in the world is just kind of weird. Uh, some people look at death as like a celebration of life. And I really, I'm really with that. I'm, I'm kind of the person who's like, let's throw a party that the person died, but also I haven't lost anyone that close to me. So I can't tell you what that's like. And that may sound so insensitive to people who have lost people who are like incredibly close to them. Um, but honestly, like as someone who hasn't experienced a lot of death in his life, like I can, death is weird. It's weird, but it's also very natural. It is a part of life, whether we like it or not. It's just, I feel like as young people, a lot of young people don't necessarily have the experience with it, unless you've lost, you know, a parent or a close grandparent or something like that uh, at a young age. But for the most part, like young people don't have that experience with death. I, that's what I'm kind of realizing uh, as I embark and think about this journey. I'm also like, I don't know, like I, I was thinking about like myself, right? I'm living right now. I am 21 and I hope to live for, you know, however long people want to keep me on this earth. Um, and I was thinking, and I'm like, honestly, in my cognizant, like conscious state, like how would, if I, if I were to, you know, obviously some far off long time from now, if I were to die, like, what would I want my funeral to look like? And honestly, like I would want my funeral to just be happy. Like I'd want people to party. I'd want people to have fun. Um, you know, have a great time, play all my favorite music, eat all my favorite food, socialize and, you know, and, and remember me for hopefully a energetic and fun person that I am, but not, you know, be sad and tell all these stories and just, you know, 
Yeah. I, I feel like I just want to make it a party about myself. It would be like my birthday party when I was six years old, you know? Like that's how I would want my funeral. I don't know about other people though, you know, like if, if that's the way they feel about death or whatever it is. But I feel like we look at death as such a sad occasion. Um, and obviously, like depending on circumstances, it can be, right? Totally, hundred percent with that. Um, but I feel like death can also be a really beautiful thing, um, particularly for for like, and I'm I guess particularly with like older people. I think death can be this death can be this concept of like it was your time, like to go. But in the however many years you had on this earth, like you made it your own and you made your own impact on the people in your lives that are there. And it's a day about you and it's, you know, people are having fun and they're partying. But I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. Like, I'm still scared of death. I'm scared of death in that it's, I think every human being is scared of death to a certain extent, right? We're all scared of this idea that one day, everything that we know, every, like, Everything that we know, all the things that we ever expect are just going to vanish. It's going to all go away. We death, death vanishes everything. You don't know what's going to happen when you die. You don't know what it's like, but everyone is going to die. It is, there is a finite timeline on the human existence. And that is so fucking scary to me. Like that, to the end is so scary. I know there are a lot of people out there that are like, I'm content with death. But I, I have a very weird relationship in which I'm trying to figure out, like, what exactly is death? Like, how can I, like, there's you, there's no avoiding it, but also, like, how can I come to terms with this, with death? It's something that is just very interesting. I guess, like, you guys, I mean, this is probably a fair question. Is like, what spawned this? Um, recently, like, there have been some uh, funerals that my parents have attended, and you know, like they've been, I guess we've been having the conversation of death around our house. Um, you know, COVID, the pandemic, like my parents have lost a lot of relatives back in India, um, young, old, middle-aged, like it's, it's an inevitable part of life. But, you know, I just, I sit here and I'm like, what, like I, I, I'm not at a content state with my relationship to the concept of death. And I don't think that for a while I will be, I think when you get older, you come to accept it because it becomes closer and closer and closer. Right. I think as young people, like death is not something you're thinking about on a daily basis. Um, unless, you know, you are fighting life-threatening illnesses and stuff like that. But, you know, I, I guess like I, me ranting about death, like death is weird to me, but also there are some things that make sense about it. Um, in that, like, I, I feel like death is something I'm going to understand better when I get older and when I experience it more. And I'm talking from a very privileged perspective of death where like, I've never been to a funeral in my life. My life has not been surrounded by grief, you know, and that overwhelming feeling of like going to holy fucking shit. Holy shit. Okay, I don't know if you guys heard that, but there was just a massive car accident outside my house. What the fuck? Dude, that was... Wow. Wow. Like, I just heard a car skid and it hit something, and it just, like, it sounded like a huge explosion. Like, I live right near a highway, and so, like, cars are actually going at pretty fast speeds. That's, like, I've heard cars skid, and, like, you know, I kind of just, like, let it slide. That legitimately sounded like that car had just, like, hit a fucking pole and just went in a circle. Wow. Wow. And I'm talking about death. Jesus. Am I a bad omen? Am I a bad omen? Yeah. Wow. Okay. This is, I think we should put a nail on this topic. I, point is, I don't know if you guys heard that. You probably didn't. I don't think, I think StreamYard does a pretty good job of like maintaining like the background sound and like uh, putting it away. But uh, the point is, the point is, car, like, Death is an inevitable part of life, and I think it's going to be a part of our lives in some aspect, um, you know, always going forward. That it's it's the inevitable end. And so I'm just very thrown off by that loud car accident. Wow, that's kind of crazy. 
is was it an accident? I don't know. I'll have to go outside after and finish this. Jeez. Okay. Um, but the point is, like, death is finite, and uh, it's interesting. It's a very interesting conversation to have. Uh, but it's also something I don't know a lot about, and so I feel like I can only go so far to have that conversation. I can't talk about it yet because I haven't experienced people who've died. So that's what I'll say about that. Okay. Um, let's move on from death. I know that was a very depressing way to start the show for some people in a very, you know, interesting way, I guess, for some others. The jack of all trades conversation. Let's talk about this for a second. I put out an Instagram question literally tonight. I'm recording this on Thursday or Thursday night, Friday morning now. Um, and we're talking and I put out a question about would you rather be a master of none? Or would you rather be a jack of all trades? And so, uh, you know, I presume like if you're a jack of all trades, that means you're kind of solid at everything. You're pretty. Okay, I'm just here. Okay, that was a dog. Okay, that, I thought that was another car. Jeez, um, I'm thrown off right now. <laughs> but uh, the jack of all trades or the master of none. And honestly, like I feel like I would. Like in in terms of this conversation, like I think I would rather be the jack of all trades. I, you know, like I get the whole idea. Or sorry, not master of none versus jack of all trades. A master of one versus a jack of all trades. I think I'd rather be a jack of all trades. I think being good at everything is better than being a master of just one thing. I think if you're super good at that one thing, that's great, and you're going to be the top of your field in that area, right? And you're going to be the best. But in other aspects of your life, you may not be as good. You may not have the strengths that other people have in those in those fields. I mean, obviously, like if you're the very best in one thing, like that is your one thing. What if that thing is super niche, though? Like what if it's like I can cut a bell pepper faster than anybody else in the world? Like. OK, <laughs> cool. You can cut a bell pepper faster than anyone else in the world. But like. If you're not so great at everything else, like what what does that mean? You know, so like I would much rather like. I think it's good to be good at everything. It's good to be as solid as you possibly can at everything. Like if I am, you know, in the top 50% in the world, like if I'm, if I'm in the 50th percentile in like math, reading, science, communication, languages, whatever, school subjects, right? I think being an all-around student is being better than just being the 99th percentile of math. Um, because I think if you're all around, you just have more exposure and you have more perspective and you build yourself up rather than if you have, um, just really, really strong, uh, understanding and foundation of one subject versus, uh, you know, being, uh, versus like being really good at everything else. I think if you're good at all sorts of things, that's, that helps you in terms of like you growing as a human, which is why I like the Changavi show, honestly, is because I get to talk about everything. And I like the after show because I get to talk about all the things I didn't get to talk about on the Changavi show. The essential question, like this goes back to like the whole thing of why I switched the, I mean, both are Jack of all trades in a different sense, right? I feel like with the essential question podcast, I could talk to all sorts of different guests and all sorts of different fields of study and, you know, people who uh, do various things. But I feel like with the Changavi show, I can talk about whatever headline I want. If I want to talk about the 49ers one week, I can make that a reality and make that happen. If I want to talk about, um, you know, Stacey Ryan and music one week, I can do that. You know, if I want to talk about how the Oxford tragedy and gun control and legislation that's been through Congress, I can do that. I have the flexibility of talking about whatever issue I want, and it helps me grind my gears and get better in learning different things that otherwise I wouldn't know, right? The Changavi show covers pretty much all bases that you possibly can think of. If I was a podcast just about pop culture, I would be a super expert at Hollywood and understanding the inner workings of celebrities and the psychology and award shows and all of that. But I wouldn't be the number one, you know, uh, most knowledgeable when it came to important news headlines that maybe intersected with pop culture, right? I think the 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 world is not just one subject. It's not just okay. This is one subject. This is another subject. This is another subject. The world is blurred lines. The world is intersections. And in reality, like you need people who are jacks of all trades to come in and talk about these like blurred lines and intersections between different subjects. I mean, pop culture and science can intersect. 
look at COVID and how it's affected the film industry. Isn't that the most like science versus like STEM and uh, film coming together, right? Like different things affect different parts of other worlds and bringing those, having knowledge in all different areas allows you to be able to tap into different markets and tap into different conversations that otherwise maybe you wouldn't have. And so that's why I kind of lean towards the jack of all trades. Uh, I do like the master of one idea, right? If you're so, if you are like, hypothetically, you're the best content creator in the world. Every single piece of content that you create is fucking gold, right? I think everybody would love to have that. That means you're just so good at what you do, but you could be really bad at your research or at like your, your video production within your content creation could be the number one thing in the world, but you could just be spewing complete wrong information and not articulating it in an appropriate manner. Then suddenly you're just a master of one. You make beautiful videos, but they really have no meaning. And, you know, they may look great and have beautiful waterfall shots across the, you know, Iguazu Falls in South America, but they don't actually provide any value to the consumer. And so thus you're stuck in this place, right? It's like, I get so great. I get such great value, but also like, I'm not, you know, someone who is, um, very uh what's it called shit oh that's my train of thought i'm not someone who's like just attached to that one thing um and i think it's i i think i go back and forth on it i think being a master of one thing is really good i think it can get you very far but i think being a jack of all trades is what this world is looking for more than ever now we're looking for people who are intersection like you look you you ask any company like who's applying like what what do you want to do fucking work it you know some sort of lab and uh, or uh, like you ask any company sorry that made no sense <laughs> it's the after show you ask any company like what they're looking for in an individual they're looking for someone who knows their shit of course in the various skills of the job position but also they're looking at people who are incredibly uh talented uh in the soft and their soft skills with communication, with being able to talk to different people, relate to different people, um, speak different languages, like all of these skills that you may not think are important come together at the end of the day in some way, shape or form. So that's, you know, that's the way it works, really, to be honest. And the intersections are more important now than actually being super good at one hard skill. Like I was thinking about this, right? I... I was str I struggled for a while to get my college major. I didn't know what I wanted to major in for a really fucking long time. I was someone who was like, nah, I want to major in, uh, do I want to major in this? Do I want to major in that? I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see, right? But then I realized like, I want to major in something that intersects hard skills and soft skills, right? You can major in computer science and have a fuck ton of soft skills and be super skillful in uh or sorry yeah and have a fuck ton of hard skills and you can be super skillful in coding and python and really have all you know all the necessary skills to be a programmer or or you could major in liberal arts and you have disciplines where you can think where you, you have the skills to think critically you have the skills to write you have the skills to read effectively you have the skills to be able to discuss complicated things and have difficult conversations with people um of all different backgrounds and so that provides you a whole different skill set. Point being, it's like uh, computer science is a hard skill. It's one thing. Whereas if you get a broader kind of major in college, you're learning more. You you know, a lot of people say communications is a fucking useless major. They're probably, I mean, maybe they're right. Theoretically, they're, they might be right. But also, I'm sure there's a lot of communications majors out there that have had tremendous success in the world. So I think it goes either way. Um, and being a jack of all trades isn't necessarily a bad thing. I know it's like really looked down upon and that you have to focus on the one thing you're super good at, but like, I think being a jack of all trades isn't bad. And I think we're looking for more people who can find those intersections and then use, uh, their knowledge in various different areas to create something, uh, important. That's just how I think, in my opinion, I, I really do. Uh, that's how I feel. So anyway, listen. I'm wearing this $40 sweatshirt, or sorry, it's not sweatshirt, quarter zip, whatever you want to call it, full Indian uncle Santa Clara mord. You look behind me, it's all Bay Area stuff. I live in the Bay Area, born and raised. My parents' house is in the Bay, um, in the very South Bay, but it's in the Bay. It's still the Bay. 
I'm Bay Area all the way, bro. Um, and I want to make this. I wanted to kind of say this because uh, I'm not like trying to prove how much I'm from the Bay Area. You know, I'm not trying to be like hella cutty and just like list a bunch. Of, I don't know what I mean and list a bunch of fucking Bay Area slang terms and knowledge. Nah, what I want to say is this. If this show or when this show, because I think this show is going to be something one day, when this show is successful, this show is going to be as Bay Area as fuck. Okay. I know, uh, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, to be a content creator, you have to move to Los Angeles to, you know, be an influencer and get all the connections. Like, nah, nah, nah. We are going to, my goal, and I've honestly said this, and I've honestly like put this in perspective from the start as an influencer i want to be the first influencer that lives in fucking san francisco or oakland full-time i don't want to be living in the la who wants to live in la like it's so much more overpopulated it's smoggy it's entertainment centric people are fake as fuck like who wants to live in like i i don't understand dude i live in like the best place on earth like i i really don't want to leave the bay i i don't see myself leaving the bay unless you know it's for some freaking entertainment opportunity which unfortunately the industry i want to go into is not uh conducive to the industry that's up here in the bay area but you know we'll see my point is i want to be in the bay as long as possible and when i when it when this podcast goes big every single thing related to it is going to be a bay area thing right it's going to have little Bay Area influences. I want, like, if I ever get merch, which I probably will at some point, Bay Area artists are going to design my merch. Like, I've already decided that. <laughs> I already know when, you know, I start getting, like, to the point where I can make my own, like, company out of this brand and, like, hire people. I'm bringing people on from, uh, like, I'm going to, like, find the channels of, like, I want to use, like, these local Bay Area designers for my logos, local Bay Area artists for my art, like for my merch, all of that stuff. Like I want everything to be like Bay Area source, Bay Area this. Like I want to put on for this community. I've already realized that. Like whatever, if this show ever blows up, maybe it will, maybe it won't. I think it will. Uh, it's going to be Bay Area all the way. There's going to be a lot of like, there's going to be a lot of Bay Area influence on this. Um, you know, cause the Bay area has had a tremendous influence on me and I want to have, I want to uplift other creators and other people within the Bay area community at some point, you know, that's definitely something that's been on my mind and is going to be a big part of this whole project with the Changabi show and what we're doing here. Like I want to put on other artists and other businesses and other people, like even with my sponsorships, right? Like I was just effing around with Great Bear like the other day, right? Like, and I was just like, oh yeah, like maybe they'll sponsor me. And you know, obviously like, we went back and forth on Instagram and that was cool. But like Great Bear is genuinely one of my favorite coffee shops. They're a small business. They're located like very near uh, my house in the South Bay, right? Like I, I want to like, I want to put on for Great Bear. I want to put on for my favorite businesses in the Bay Area. Like, I want to uplift them if I can in any way. Like, I want to, like, be, like, sponsored with them. Like, if they want to, like, that'd be kind of cool. You know, like, I don't want to have, like, the classic, like, I'm the podcaster that's sponsored by Honey.com or, like, by Squarespace. Like, ew. Ew. I would much rather be, like, the Chingavi Show sponsored by La Cueva. Oh, yeah. Dude, are you kidding me? That's way better. That's way better. Put on for that. Put on for Cueva, right? The Mexican place I've been going to since I was a kid. Fuck yeah. Like put on for restaurants. Put on for coffee shops. Like that's what I realized. Like I wanna, I wanna be uh in the community. Um, and I I wanna like contribute to it as much as I as I possibly can. And hopefully, hopefully it works out for me. If it doesn't, then you know, maybe uh I'll still be around the bay in some capacity in some way, shape, or form. But that's we're not talking negative. We're not doing that no more because we got to talk about toxic mentalities. That's our next topic of the day. I tried to hit the little mouse. Uh, gosh, I keep thinking about what happened outside. I hope everything's okay. I might just open the door after I'm done with this and go check in on uh, outside, see if everything's fine. It's been like 15 minutes, so I haven't heard much noise since then, so I'm presuming everything's good. But toxic mentalities. Toxic mentality. There are so many people with toxic mentalities, dude. And it's not like, uh, you know, I'm not talking about in the context of like hookups or in the context of relationships or different things like that. I'm more so talking about toxic mentalities within the context of the way you think about life and the way you approach life. There are so many people that I know 
who are like on either extreme of this, right? You're either the, I know people who are really positive and positive for no fucking reason. And then like shit goes really bad and they're thrown off by it. And then I know people who are like ultra negative and when shit goes good, they can't, they can't accept the fact that it's good. Right. And I tend to, I used like, you know, I am a former pessimist. That is definitely the category that I leaned in for a really long time throughout my life. I was a pessimist. I was someone who was just like, well, this is going to go bad. Well, it's not going to last forever. Well, we're going to die anyway. Right? Like I was that type of person and I hated it. I hated being a pessimist. You know why? Because as a pessimist, I would always be like, I'm a realist though. I'm a realist. I think in reality, all you motherfuckers think in ideals and not stupid and i'm like wait i realized like literally like during the pandemic i was like well shit's already so negative what's the point in thinking negative anymore why can't we just think of the positive why can't we be more positive and you know i I look at the way that like people comment or like slide into the uh, not even slide into my DMs, but like DM me about like various things I put up on Instagram. Some people are like, yes, like that is such a valid take when I say something positive. Right. And other people are like, well, I hate to break it to you, Anuj, but like uh, it's a really dystopian world out there. And like, I don't even want to like start with how fucking stupid this take is right and then like when i post something negative those same people are like yes we can finally accept that our lives suck and then when i post the negative take the positive people are like oh my uh, god oh why are you being so negative again i thought we I went down this road before right it's like dude what the fuck Listen, I'm not trying to make everybody happy. Like, I'm stating my opinion. But also, like, people are on either extreme. And I think toxic positivity is a real thing. I think toxic pessimism is a thing. And I used to be a pessimist. So I'll talk from that lens first, and then I'll talk about positivity, and I'll talk about where I'm, what I'm thinking now. Uh, listen, being a toxic pessimist sucks. I was that for fucking 18 years, of, 19 years of my life. I've tried to be better these last couple of years, but I don't know if it's been working. I have to ask the people in my life if I've been better. Um, but like the first 18 and a half years of my life, I would just think of the stuff that would go wrong. And I'd be like, yep, it's going to happen to me. I'm Shit's going to go wrong. Yeah, I, I can't enjoy anything good that happens. And I sat there, you know, uh, <laughs> end of my freshman year of college, in quarantine, in the pandemic, just like shit. I didn't value any of the good things that happened. I didn't value the fact that I had a high school graduation, yet there were people in the year uh, year below me who were just craving to even sit in those shitty seats, but I was just complaining the whole time, right? I didn't enjoy the fact that I had a freshman year of college and got to meet incredible people. Um, I just took it for granted, like, oh, everybody has this. Why can't I figure out my career, Right. I just, I was so negative. I was so negative during the pandemic. It was like, oh, it's going to get worse. Like, what if we're stuck here for years? And like, I fed into that fucking news cycle of CNN and all these freaking headlines that are like, oh, it's going to get worse. Social distancing is going to increase to 18 feet or whatever the fuck it was, right? It's, it's bad. Like, it was just, it got to the point where it was literally like, I'm making, I'm actively by being a pessimist. And I realized this in my brain, I was like, I'm actively making the situation worse. Why don't I just be better? And so I was like, how can I do that? Then there's the talk. Then there's the other flip side of the coin, which is like toxic positivity. I know a lot of people who are super, super positive and they're some of my favorite people to be around when you need a cheerleader. And they're like, dude, everything's going to be fine. You're going to be totally cool. You're going to have an amazing career. You're going to blow up and you're going to get 15 million subscribers. Just relax. It'll come to you. Right. Those are the best people when you need cheerleaders. And when you need people who are like, yo, I just need like the most positive possible speech. They're the best people to surround yourself with. Optimists are great. Okay. But they also can get so fucking annoying so quickly. Right. When you're like, dude, I need a dose of reality. Like I need to get my ass back on the, tr like, you know, back just working or my ass back on the Peloton or whatever it is. Right. And you talk to toxic optimists and they're like, dude, just keep doing what you're doing, bro. It's going to go great. It's like, oh, like, you know, in your heart of hearts, like, no, it's not going to go great because I need to actively do something. But like, if you talk to the pessimists, they're like, dude, your life's just going to suck anyway. 
So like you better keep working. And then like you get to somewhere and you're like, dude, I did this. And they're like, no, you didn't. You didn't achieve this point. Right. So it's like it's finding this extreme between all of these various, you know, weird optimists and negative and, and people who are pessimists and all that. So what's my conclusion as to what like, you know, there's two different toxic mentalities. And obviously there's a lot of different mentalities in the middle where you can be optimistic at times. Or you can be very pessimistic at times, whatever. Right. There's obviously it's like there's a hybrid of so many different ones. Here's my mentality now that I'm kind of starting to adopt a little bit and trying to focus on. Optimistic skepticism, okay? I I think it's good to be a skeptic. I think being a skeptic at heart, like as someone who like naturally, like I'm very naturally like skeptic, skeptical of what people tell me now. Maybe it's the Trump age. Maybe it's the fact we live in this society that we do of misinformation but like i'm just naturally a skeptic i'm someone who does not believe what people tell me it's just a reality like it's just maybe and maybe it's because i have this show right and i'm like I, let me do my research for myself i know exactly what i'm talking about but i think that being a skeptic allows you to question different ideas it allows you to process that idea and fully process that idea by being optimistic right by not just being pessimistic if you're a pessimistic skeptic you're just gonna be like oh your idea sucks i'm right uh, but I'm negative and, you know, I'm just going to think of the worst possible scenario. If you're an optimistic skeptic, you can be like, okay, okay. Like, let me, let me look into this idea. I think, you know, it's obviously like, eh, it sounds a little sus, but let me look into the idea. And then you can come to the conclusion, whether it's that or maybe something else, or, you know, it's, it's being positive and it's taking people for their good intent rather than for taking humans as like selfish motherfuckers. And I think that's an important distinction that I am trying to figure out in my life of like, okay. I'm trying to be a positive human being and a positive influence. Uh, but also I'm trying to question other people when they're, or check other people when I think they're wrong. And so I think doing all of that is super important. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's just kind of where I stand. Like I'm trying to find the balance between being a super pessimist by being a pessimist and taking the good qualities of a pessimist and a skeptic, and then taking the good qualities of being a toxic, positive, you know, optimist. And combining those two together to hopefully make something it's way easier said than done and it's been a process like again natural skeptic over here why do i have this show because i'm a fucking skeptic because i don't believe what people tell me right like i but on learning that and then like learning the op like good parts of the optimism have like led me to believe that like honestly optimists have pretty good lives too dude people who are optimistic like sometimes like the craziest shit happens to them they get really lucky and like lucky quote unquote and you get to just they get to experience these amazing things because they're optimistic and they bring in that happiness and that positivity into their lives and i look at a lot of negative people and their mental health is pretty low they just tend to be very sad people um not sad people like i know there are a lot of skeptics that are happy probably maybe maybe not if you get that reference if you get that reference you're the best um but but there are probably skeptics who are just uh you know who who, who are happy I just haven't met one. I just think for the most part, skeptics can be a uh, very, um, they're very in their head and they're all, always thinking like what could go wrong. And I think that's such a toxic mentality to have. So that's where I stand with that. Okay. Keep it, speaking of toxic mentalities and toxic people, can we talk about euphoria for a second? Euphoria. Dude, this show is so fucking good. It's been Let's see. The first season came out when I was a freshman in college, like two and a half years ago at this point. It was so freaking phenomenal. Well, the first season was magical. I, I kid you not. It's so, so hard to watch, but it's such good TV to the point where like Euphoria hasn't had a stinker of an episode and probably like in my opinion, I mean, the show only has 10 episodes so far, but I don't think it's had a stinker episode yet. I think there are a lot of people out there that are like very anti this show because it is very graphic and it does uh, tell a lot of things and say a lot of things. Uh, but the reality is like, I think this is such a good fucking piece of television. Um, the, it, it takes the team drama trope and brings it to the absolute next level uh, of like bringing out themes of toxic masculinity and bringing out themes of toxicity and human emotion and uh, connection and addiction, all of these various things and like throws it into this Gen Z spin. And it's just like, boom, here you go. Go into this whirlwind of chaos. 
I listen. I'm here to tell you that Euphoria so far, it's been two episodes into season two. Season two could just stink it up from here on out, and I could have a totally different opinion at the end. But so far, two episodes into season two and a season in, um, this show is probably one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. I really, I kid you not. Uh, it's on my all time list right now. Um, it's probably if it continues on this path, it's gonna go up and up and up and up and up. It's so good. It's so freaking good. I just didn't want to talk about it on uh, the uh, Changavi show because, like, I don't have a fully formed opinion yet because the second season hasn't come out. But I think all the characters, like, I, I, like, people are like, oh, I went to the Euphoria High School, right? I didn't go to the Euphoria High School. I'm 100% did not go to the Euphoria High School. I want to make that very clear. Um, <laughs> I went to the fucking last place that was the Euphoria High School. But I relate to all the characters in a weird way in that. Each one of the characters in Euphoria is super has like their very toxic parts to them, but it also has their very human parts to them and their very uh, um, relatable parts, which I think is why the show is so good because it has that right amount of chaos, but it also has that right amount of humanity where it's semi believable. And in this era of social media, I don't think there's been a show that's showed the dark side of what social media can really be and how connecting. Uh, and how like us being ever connected more than ever before is just such a bad thing for our development as humans. And I think Euphoria does a fantastic job at kind of showcasing that um, to the fullest. Uh, I've had friends who, like who have done LSD and acid and all of these various drugs that they do in the show and have told me the scenes in Euphoria like take them back on trips that they've had like on psychedelics and on different things and it's it's a very very um accurate portrayal of various things that they do and the acting from everybody from zendaya to angus cloud to um sydney sweeney to alexa dme like jacob lordy like this show is filled with stacked actors and actresses who do fantastic hunter schaefer who do fantastic work and they deserve to be commended and I'm going to give you one hot take here for Euphoria. I put it out on my Instagram the other day. Maude Apatow is going to be nominated for an Emmy in this season. It's been two episodes. She's not been like a huge part of it so far, but I think she's going to be a huge part of this season of Euphoria. And I think she's going to be, um, I think she's going to get an Emmy nomination. She, she, it looks like she's gearing up for it. She was on Fallon. Uh, I think, I think she's ready. I think she's going to get it. And I think, I think a lot of people are going to be really surprised by the character of Lexi. I think that's my prediction for euphoria in season two. I think it's going to be a very Lexi dominated season. I think Rue is obviously going to be a big part of it. Um, Jules, of course, Rue and Jules, they're the, they're the two, they're the main two. Um, I think Maddie and Cassie's characters are very internal this season, which is very, very cool to see. Uh, so far, I don't want to like spoil any of the episodes. So that's why I'm kind of, you know, going very bare bones here. Um, Nate is back. He's a terrible human being, but Jacob Lord is so good at playing his character. Fez, I fucking love Fez. It's just, it's so far. Uh, this show is just incredible. I mean, I, I, I'm really high on it. There are a lot of people that are probably pretty low on it. That's fine. But I'm just very high on this type of show. I think there should be more. Um, like if you want to make a show, just make fucking Euphoria. Uh, so far, so far at least. I don't know how I'm gonna feel about like the grand scheme of things and how everything sets, but I mean, just the way that they do stuff in these two episodes. Is, I mean, I thought the first two episodes to open the season, I had high expectations going in, and I came in with sky high happiness. They really did achieve, in my opinion. Um, but season two, great so far, and uh, excited uh, to see what happens next to these characters of Rue, Jules, Maddie, so on and so forth. Euphoria. Is it a modern day masterpiece? I don't know yet, but it's definitely a damn good TV show. And if you haven't watched it yet, go check out Euphoria. It's on HBO. Uh, highly recommend. About sort of teenage drama. It's a t it's Riverdale. It's Riverdale and 13 Reasons Why done right. Done completely right. So check it out. Check it out. Guys, I'm love confused. <laughs> I just shifted the tone of the whole thing. Like went from like talking about euphoria and being all serious about talking about all these themes to like, I'm love confused. <laughs> Dude, I don't know what the fuck love is. I really have no idea. Um, I, I don't know how to feel about it because I'm someone who is very, um, I'm not love centric. Like I, I, I am kind of a hopeless romantic. I do like a lot of rom-coms. I'm a big, uh, um, 
50 uh, or just go with it fan big forgetting Sarah Marshall, the proposal. Like these were all movies I grew up on. Like I love that. And I used to have a very idealistic version of love. Like, Oh, one day I'm just going to meet a girl and like, we're going to fall in love. And we're going to live a fairy tale ending and live happily ever after. Right. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm 21. And like, I've had very limited success with girls, if any, right. Probably, you know, close to like 0.1%. Um, <laughs> it's been tough. But also, like, I don't care. I don't really care that I haven't had success. You know, like, I'm not someone who's super, like, uh, oh, like, I need to talk to girls at all times. I need to have at least five girls in my DMs and, like, 18 booty calls, right? Like, I'm not that guy. I'm not that guy. Like, I'm just, I'm the type of, I, maybe I'm really immature. I think that's what it is, honestly, is, like, I'm someone who doesn't really care for a relationship at this point because I feel, or, or anything really, like, I just am so hyper-focused on making this show a reality that, like, anything else is, like, you know, a distraction. Two years ago, like, I gave a shit about a relationship, and coming into college, like, I, I was like, let me find someone to date. Didn't work out, right? I'm here. Um, But, like, I think, I think what's weird about for me for dating, like I've had so many friends give me so many different pieces of advice about dating, right? So many of them are like, dude, you just got to play the game and you know, you're just going to like get with as many girls as you can and like all that. And then there's like so many people who are like, dude, just like go get it. Go find the one, go, go be your own Ted Mosby. Right. And it's like, I don't know what the hell to do. And like, I don't know. A lot of my friends aren't in relationships. Maybe you attract what you find. There are a lot. There are a couple in like very healthy relationships and show shout out to them. Um, and they seem to be very happy and they seem to really know what the definition of love is. And I kind of put it out there in a question of the night. And a lot of people responded with some really nice answers. And they said, it's like, it feels like, you know, you're at home and you don't have to worry about anything. You, you could be your fully yourself. And I'm like, dude, if I'm fully myself, girls are going to run the fuck away. Um, I, if I can find someone that like would fully accept me for who I am, like the podcaster, right at 1235 in the morning doing after shows like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Marry me now. When's the shoddy? Like, <laughs> let's do it. No, I mean, I just, I don't know if it's like whether I'm not ready or like I'm emotionally super immature. Like I recognize that. And I recognize the fact that like I, right now, if you were to ask me to hop into a relationship with someone, I don't think I'd be able to, I don't think I'd have the emotional bandwidth to do so. You know, I think, and I, I think it's like unfair to the people that I, I think I am not someone who like, I'm someone who wants a relationship at some point, just maybe now is not the time. And I know there are a lot of people out there who are like, oh, you're not even going to get into a relationship anyway. Look at the way you look. You look like a Santa Clara Indian uncle. And that's totally fair. That's like another thing. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just so valid in the fact that I look like shit. So I don't care. Like when I start like dressing better and like looking nice, do I even want to dress better? Like, can a girl accept me like this? Uh, like if a girl accepts me like this, like I'll marry her right now. But that's not going to happen. You know, I, I'll have like a half fucking Ben and Jerry's Cherry Garcia pint on my stomach. Yeah, that's what the shoddy is. Woo! <laughs> my parents heard that. They'd fucking kill me. Um, I hope they didn't hear. They're asleep probably. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe they'll see it on the internet or something. Sorry, mom and dad. But your boy doesn't want to get married for a really long time. And uh, you might be mad. But it's okay. Because... I'm living my life. I'm living my single and ready to mingle life. What? So, you know, we'll see. Um, but people tell me, like, love is super random. And it'll come at any moment, at any time, and creep up near you. And I'm like, oh, I'm kind of scared. I don't want to be in love. Like, I don't want to get hurt. I don't know. See, yeah, like, okay, I'm love confused. But I'm also really tired. So that's why I'm being really animated and weird. I apologize. Okay. Can we talk? I have like 15 more topics. Jesus. No, I don't. Uh, I have a few more topics. We're going to get through them as fast as we can and then, you know, go to bed because I'm fucking tired. Indian Americans in college. Dude, I've, <laughs> I've had this theory for a really long time and I want to tell you guys. Uh, I couldn't share this on the show because it, it really just didn't fit with anything that we were doing this week. Indian, Amer Indian Americans are so fucking funny. We claim like we're like these people who are like, oh, like we're just gonna like do our thing and like be ourselves, but we go to like one of five colleges. Every Indian person, like I, I see 
in, at least in my life, and maybe in the Bay Area, it's a thing. I don't know about like, you know, if you're an Indian person who lives in fucking Plainville, Ohio, you're probably different, right? But Indian people that live in the Bay Area just like are permanently surrounded by Indian people for the rest of their lives. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. And they also go to like one of five different college options. And this is like crazy to me. It's crazy to me. Bay Area Indians all know each other through someone right? I probably know a lot more Bay Area Indians than I think I know because I have a friend that knows a friend that's roommates with her friend, right? And it's like everything's a small fucking world in this community. But Indian Americans go to four or five different... Like I'll, To make this very clear, right, for my white audience out there who's very confused as to what I'm saying, Indian Americans are clustered, okay? They're cluster people. They usually go to the same college, all right? And they like to stick together. So here are the five different colleges or five different college options because I'm going to include one that's kind of a little more, uh, how do I say it, um, open, open-ended open uh, than the other. So let's do it. They either go to Rutgers. All the East Coast Indians go to Rutgers. That's where they all hang out. They're like, you know, Rutgers in New Jersey is like big for Indian people. They either go to Rutgers. They go to UIUC. UIUC is huge for Indian people, dude. UIUC. UT Austin. <laughs> University of Michigan. Or, or, or they're in the UC system somewhere. And then if you're like an Indian in another school, like you're probably, you know, one of the like unique ones. But like usually they like to congregate. Georgia Tech is also in that conversation, but they like to congregate at the same fucking school, right? Uh, whether it be a UC, UIUC is big for Indian people. For some reason, Indian people are just attracted to UIUC. I don't, I don't know whether it's the cornfields or the snow or just, you know, Urbana Champaign or a good engineering school maybe, but like <laughs> UIUC just does its thing for Indian people. I don't know why. Um, every single picture I see of someone at UIUC is just yeah, a bunch of brown faces. And like, that's not a problem. It's just, you're creating little Delhi and little Bangalore and, um, and just mixing with the same people. But you know, who am I to hate? If you're having a good time at UIUC, raise your hand. I I'm, don't go to UIUC. Well, I don't know why the fuck I raised my hand, but like, yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of Indian people that are having a great time. I'm sure there are a lot of Indian people in the at Cal having a good time. There are a lot of Indian people in Michigan having a great time, but I feel like I worry about this. I think it's an Indian American. Like, I worry about going, like, just having Indian friends my the rest of my life, right? And that's not a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing, right? I think it's cool to have Indian friends. I think most of my friends are Indian now, like, to this day. And it's not like, oh, you're Indian? I'm going to cut you off. You're canceled, right? I'm going to go only hang out with white people. But, like, I feel like hanging out with just Indian people is so fucking toxic. Because every, like, Indian people just get into fucking, like, especially these Indian American groups, dude, get into so much fucking drama. And, like, these Bollywood dance teams are, like, legitimate fucking Indian serial operas, dude. It's ridiculous. Like, I don't want to get involved with that. I already did that in high school. I don't want to do it again. Um, But... No, nah, I mean, like, I think if if you're an Indian person, you feel com like if you feel comfortable by other Indian people, like totally go for it. Like you be friends with other Indian people. And I think it's our parents also like, you know, being feeling like a minority, like you stick together with your other brownies. Like that's just that's that's a fact. Like it's instilled in us from a young age. Like you look at a lot of South Asians, they're usually friends with a lot of other South Asians and not really any other people. Um, But I want to change that. I want to be better. Um, and I want to make sure I have friends from all different backgrounds. And I, I did that. I went to a school with like five brown people. So a lot of my, most of my friends at Redlands, uh, where I went to school before are not brown <laughs> because there were not that many brown people there. So, you know, it's cool. I'm glad, I'm glad I had that experience. I also like, don't want to go back to having that experience of like, you know, the Bollywood experience, not the other one. I thought it was cool to like, you know, be the only brown person, but also it's isolating. Um, so like, Having that balance of like not being the only brown person, but also like not being one of 500 Patels. Is there a middle ground where like I have the option to like go hang out with the brownies, but also I can hang out with other people? Like that's where I want to be. That's, I mean, that's just my take on the whole thing. But like if you're an Indian American, you go to UIUC, you're on the Illinois Roz team, like fuck yeah. Right. If you're on fucking Ohio State uh, Genesis, like, dude, I love Bollywood dance teams. I love watching you guys. I just never want to participate because I know the fucking clusterfuck dramas that take place in those things. And only I will say that because no one else, no other Indian person 
who's of college age, has a podcast where they just talk shit in their bedroom. So let me talk shit about Bollywood dance teams, right? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> besides the point, I don't want to hate on them anymore. Good for you guys. My heroes. My heroes. What a great transition. My heroes. You know, I have many heroes. Um, nah, I sort of started to touch on this in the Changabi show, uh, but a lot of, I basically, my laptop died and so I didn't have enough time. Um, so I kind of wanted to give a more nuanced take as to like how I feel about this. Uh, listen, I have a few heroes and obviously like we all do, right? That's like natural. You, you kind of have role models and you have like the people that you think are truly heroes. But the way I look at being a hero is like this person like did so so much good and such little bad, such little flaws, such little, like, you know, bad stuff in their lives, um, that they have to be like one considered to be like one of the best people to walk the earth. Oh, and I think there's one person in particular right now, and she's still alive who fits this mold perfectly. Malala Yousafzai I'm sorry if I mispronounced her name. I'm brown, but Malala, Malala is like the probably one of the best human beings to like ever live. I kid you not. This girl has done nothing wrong. I kid you not. I watched, I pretty much watched every interview of her. I'm like her biggest fan. This is like a thing I hide from everybody in public because they probably think I'm super weird for being like, for like fangirling over Malala. But like, I'm a huge Malala fangirl. I love Malala. Like, I think she's so fucking cool like i don't know she what i love about malala and i want to like let's just go on a malala fangirl man because that's what we do here malala is just so herself she's so herself it doesn't matter if she has 18 million followers it doesn't matter if she was shot by the taliban she just she's herself and she fights for what she believes in she was fighting for girls education in pakistan for the longest time and you know it led to her getting shot and that was terrible and tragic and obviously, like, would never want that to happen to anybody. Um, but <laughs> she's just so, she's so, like, she's so authentic and she's so real about it, you know? And even today, like, she continues to fight. Like, she didn't capitalize off her fame, quote-unquote, and, like, you know, just live her life and get her degree at Oxford and forget about everybody. Like, she's still such a relevant part to this conversation of, like, women having an education. Like, she's still talked about the Afghanistan crisis and all of these things that are happening. Like, to me, I don't know. Malala just strikes me as someone who is just a true hero. A heroine. Heroine. Sorry. Heroine. Uh, I think, right? That's how you say it. Heroin. She's a heroin. Like in no, heroin is the drug. Wait, no, hold on. Hero and heroin. Right? Yeah, okay, yeah. Heroin. Yeah. Fuck, dude. I'm so bad at English. Malala is a heroin. She's not a the drug heroin, but she is a heroin. Like in in her own regard. Um, she's just she's authentically herself. She fought for what she believed in. Did she get what she wanted? Like, no, it's a struggle that's going to take years and years and years. But did she certainly get the ball moving in that regard? Absolutely. Is her foundation doing fantastic work? Yes, I'm a big fan. I will, in my TikTok right now, I'm going to be supporting the Malala Fund because I am truly one of her biggest fans. I've watched interviews with her in Letterman. I've watched her UN speech. I've read her book. Like, I love Malala. And I genuinely, like, she is one of my biggest inspirations. I truly, like, I... I sit here in my freaking Indian uncle quarter zip, right? Uh, straight out of Santa Clara and, you know, talk a lot of shit on this podcast and talk a lot of, you know, things that maybe are regrettable um, in the long run. But one of the things I will never regret is, is saying what I'm saying right now is that Malala is just a true angel on this planet. Like I genuinely, like if flaws come out one day that like Malala has a serious drinking problem, I would be shocked. I would be so shocked and so skeptical. I don't think she's a bad person. I don't think she drinks. I hope not. I hope, I hope Malala, can, we can just keep her as the true saint that she is. Cause I just want to believe that she's an amazing human being. Um, if she isn't like, I'm sure someone will slide into the DMS on this Instagram story when it comes out and be like, Malala's trash. She actually was like hosting, you know, parties where she just vultured money from her nonprofit. I don't think that's going to happen because I think Malala, all she really cared about was just going to college and she went to college and she got a degree from Oxford and like philosophy and politics and religion and stuff. And she's doing great stuff with activism. So no one can hate on Malala. No one can hate on my girl. I love Malala. I think she's really honestly one of my true heroes in life. And 
nothing but respect for her, like genuinely. Uh, love Malala. Okay, I'm going to talk about one more thing, <laughs> and we're going to wrap it up because it's 54 minutes, and this has been long of me ranting and a car accident happening outside, which I still need to check in on, Jesus. Backwards college life. I've had the most backwards college experience I think any college student has had imaginable. But I also think there are a lot of people around this country that have had backwards college experiences, particularly in the last, you know, three to five years, because we've all been involved with this pandemic. And, you know, a lot of people have finished online. A lot of people have transferred. A lot of people have moved here, moved back to junior college, whatever. Right. But genuinely, I think like me, like I've had a very backwards college experience. I look at a lot of my friends and a lot of them, you know, despite the pandemic and despite the fact that initially they were here and, um, in their hometowns, moved back to college when it was safe, right? In the spring, or maybe some of them, even in the fall of 2020, they didn't really have that semester at home um, for a lot of them. They had they had their, like most of them just kind of went back to school and they were continuing to, you know, go to school, all that stuff. I didn't, I didn't have that. I kind of, you know, in March of 2020, I left whatever college experience I had there. I got on a plane, I headed home, and I didn't realize that I would never head back to college again um, or that college. You know, I'm going to a whole new experience, a whole new thing. It's going to be really, really interesting. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I, I'm shit scared. Um, but it's been two years, and I basically have lived the life of a working professional. I've gone to, you know, I go to work now. I get paid money. I make this podcast. I go to college online. So I don't really go to campus. It doesn't feel like I'm going to campus. My office hours are on zoom, like all that stuff. Like it literally is the schedule of a working adult. I feel like I'm living my own independent life. I'm doing school remotely. I get to do all of these amazing things. I get to go out on a Wednesday night onto a concert and come home on Thursday afternoon because of the fact I don't have class and then go to work right after because that's everything is flexible in my life right now. That's what I love. I love this whole remote work, flexible life where I can design my schedule around itself. And it doesn't feel like I'm in college. It just feels like I'm doing a bunch of assignments from home and chilling. And I like that a lot. And I know that in two, in literally six months that that is about to change. I'm about to just leave this independent working lifestyle and go back to freaking college where the memories that I have with college are amazing, right? I love the people I met. I have so many great friends, so many great stories from my freshman year. Like I, you know, things that like I would never, ever regret um, doing in a hundred years. But also like, dude, I'm in a totally different stage of life than I was two years ago. Two years ago, I was just trying to experience stuff, have fun. You know, I was in college. Like, this is great. Like, pen. Like no pandemic even existed. I didn't even know the word pandemic existed, right? It was so different. And then I've had two years of me like working as a normal adult, like going to school, like online school, all of that stuff. And then I've had, and then I'm going to have two years of normal college now or normal. I don't know what normal college is like. I It's going to be a hard, hard ass transition because I love my life working from home slash going to work slash podcasting like this schedule i have right now in january of 2022 i am so enjoying it i enjoy my life right now and i just know i'm sure of it that it's gonna get so much harder <laughs> when i go back to school it's gonna be a huge adjustment and i'm not looking forward to it i really am not looking forward to it um but yeah that's how i feel about college i think it's gonna be shitty um, and I'm not excited. I'm not excited to spend my time going to class. And, you know, I know the social time in college takes a while, but I know you have to develop those relationships because they're important and all of that stuff. And, you know, you have to be social and you also have to like, you know, go to class and like do all these things and they take hella time. And you also, and also like, I want to work when I go to college. So that's going to be bad. It's like, ah, there's so much stuff I have to worry about, but I've lived this backwards college life where like I, was 19 and then I turned 35 and lived in a 35 year old's body for two years. And then now I'm going back to being 21. Right. And it's like, what the fuck? Like it, if that makes any sense whatsoever, like it's just, it's so different. It's so different. Life is just different right now. Um, and going back to that adjustment, I know is going to be hell on earth, uh, for me at least because I've developed this beautiful routine here living at home with my, with my parents, with my madre and padre just chilling. 
But anyway, 59 minutes. Jesus. See, I just like slapped the mic. Um, but it's been 59 minutes, and that's all I got really. Uh, backwards college experience. We talked about a lot of other things. I had a few more topics, but those can wait till the next after show, right? Because we always got more shows here on the Shane Gabby Show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you're still here at this point, you guys are the best. You're the end of the show, gang. You guys are the day ones. I know you. I love all of you. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. Go like the video if you're on YouTube. Subscribe if you're on youtube if you're on spotify go and hit the follow button if you're on apple Podcasts, if you could leave me a five-star review that would make my life so much easier and get the word out there if you hated the podcast you can give it a one-star review and call me a biased motherfucker uh i don't care um i need the feedback too so that would be kind of cool um what else can you guys do? You guys can follow me on socials. I'm at the Changavi Show. That's my handle, the Changavi Show. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. Or not Facebook, actually. Just Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Maybe Facebook in the future. I'm trying to get that up and running. Um, yeah, go check out all my links. I've linked the Audrey Pot Foundation, actually, down below. They're doing a lot of great things, uh, a lot of great work, shouting out various um, things that are happening, particularly in the South Bay community in regards to sexual assault. So if you're from the South Bay, definitely do check that out. If you're not from the South Bay, it's also just a good nonprofit to like like on Facebook. Um, I'm, you know, it's it's just good. Like, <laughs> be, you know, be involved with that sexual assault conversation because I think it's a conversation that we all need to have. And I talked a little bit about that on the Changabi show. But anyway, that's all I got, guys. Thank you so, so much for listening to this. It means more to me than you'll ever know. Um, appreciate all of you. And from my parents' house, it's a new Changabi signing off at the Changabi after show. I'll see y'all next week for a Changabi show for some more shows, more content on the way. You know it. It's 2022. So signing off, baby. Changabi show from the parents' house. I'll see y'all later. Peace.